Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love. Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. Faraday, a.k.a. Connor Dragel, is a Seattle-based DJ and producer. He has been writing and performing music for most of his life, but truly fell in love with electronic music during his pursuit of an engineering degree. Luckily for us, this self-proclaimed digital composer threw himself into the world of audio engineering, garnering support from major labels such as EDM.com, Adrenaline Room, and Seattle-based Anomaly Music Collective, which has catapulted him to over a quarter of a million total plays on his own productions. And on the DJ side of things, he has built a strong relationship with USC Events, which has gained him a residency at Foundation Nightclub. He consistently pushes the envelope with his productions and his unique sound and style, which has landed him shows, support, and respect from the entire West Coast and beyond. Welcome, Connor, to the Gravity Lift podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you live like five minutes away from me. Actually, six. Six? Okay, official GPS numbers. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's a... How is it living on the east side? Uh, the best, actually. Yeah. Because of all the trees. <laughs> the trees make it the best yeah. spot in the world to be. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I did leave for a bit, but then I came back, so I guess that means something. Where'd you leave I think. to? Um, well, I went to college in Oregon, down at Oregon State, and then... I well, I mean, there's trees there too, man. Nah, not at Oregon State. It's uh, just farms. Okay. It's <laughs> just straight up farms. Yeah. Cows, and like sheep, animals. Yeah, just farms, basically. Fair enough. Nice. And well, yeah. students. <laughs> and students. Are the students basically the cattle? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. So, uh, as a producer, you've got a track coming out on Friday. I do. Yeah. Free so, download, most likely. Free download? Yeah. Sweet. That'll be legit. Um, yeah, so how's all that going? Got a nice little studio set up in your house? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I work every day on music, and my plan is to release at least one track a month for the rest of my life, I guess. But maybe maybe at least not that long. I don't know. <laughs> Every month for the rest of your life, you're yeah. going to be like 120 with modern technology and you're going to be like, I'm still producing dope beats. At that point, the beats will be inside us, though. Ah, oh, true. Yeah. Dude. Deep. That artificial intelligence stuff, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Did you see the uh, synth I was posting about today? No. So Google made an AI synth that's like a touch screen and you basically just have two knobs and it somehow like figures out what sounds to make via machine learning. So huh? nuts, but they're not selling it, which uh -huh. is very convenient of them. <laughs> Someday. Dude. Yeah. I can only imagine we'll like end up having like sub packs like built into our spines. So you just got like a subwoofer right there constantly in your body. How much do those cost? Because I want one. Right I know, now. right? Just gotta set those up. That'd be pretty crazy. Got your own personal subwoofer, and then like earbuds that are like implanted, like actually onto your vibrating cochlear or whatever the 
I don't know what it is. Have it like directly in there, so you could just like turn on and off, on and off, and still hear regular sound. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just waiting for modern medical to te- technology to replace my ears. So, come on, or guys. your entire body. I will that too. I would love it if they could do that to my intestines. I've got ulcerative colitis, and it'd be one of those like if I can get a bionic colon, a machine, set. machine intestines. <laughs> <laughs> just undulating muscles. Yep. They call you the iron pooper. <laughs> that would be clutch. That would be clutch. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy thinking about where artificial intelligence could take us someday. For sure. For sure. Plus, um, well, I mean, that can kind of go down like a crazy road if you if you like let it, but We'll see. I mean, like the the self driving cars are still killing people. So yeah, apparently that just happened in yep. Arizona, dude. I'm kind of bummed because I'm all about that. I'm all about. I don't know. It maybe it's a little scary to think of, but I'm in theory all about artificial intelligence and like machine learning and like finding a way to, I don't know, collaborate to coincide with technology. I mean, I agree, but I don't know if humans deserve it yet. I don't know if we've proved ourselves. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> That's why, like, when you see in a lot of sci-fi series, all of those super intelligent artificial AI, whatever, or like um, any of those types of, I guess, organisms or existences like that, always end up kind of going against humanity and and their their morals because they well i mean obviously they think we're inferior being like biological life forms but well that's what's interesting is that it's mankind that's creating those movies yeah so it's like we're we're throwing out that idea of like oh what if the machines turn on us but like we don't have any experience or prior knowledge of machines turning on us in any way unless we do oh Stephen Hawking traveled forward in time. Oh, yeah. And knows what's up. Rest in peace, Stephen Hawking. Wait, did he die? Yeah, he died uh, late last week, I think. What the fuck? Yeah, he was like in his 70s. I know. Kind of Damn a bummer. I gotta leave now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just like you said, we're not worthy. We've, we've, got a, we've got a new messiah, though. Elon Musk. Dude, he's an alien. I don't know if I mean he's probably a messiah, but he's also not an earthling. For a sure. messiah alien. Yeah, I mean he's just trying to get home. It just yeah that that's exactly what it is. Is I think he's an alien who purposely stranded himself on Earth in order to see if he could make it back with our technology. That's that's my running theory. Ah, uh, so he he's in it for the long run. Is he just like? using us then all the people that are working for spacex are just like <laughs> alien people that he needs no i mean my theory is that he got so bored with his current world that he just wanted to see if he could do it all over again himself <laughs> just <laughs> and just get back it. to space so yeah so you think he just found one of these many earth-like planets and it happened to be earth and he was like all right i'm gonna use your technology and get myself back home as a challenge yeah just as a challenge because that's the type of person he seems to be yeah seems to be a genius if you're out there elon musk just dm me and (laughs) make a new track for him like i got this new track for you to play while you're running your boring company underneath los angeles yeah while you're drilling shit uh, Elon might be drilling all the time. He probably is. <laughs> uh, 
what is this company called? Like the big drill company? Or uh, it's something? called the Boring Company. Oh, yeah, the Boring Company. Yeah, so he's got See? SpaceX and the Boring Company. I knew he was bored. Yeah, he's just bored as fuck. <laughs> yeah, you see his uh, flamethrower that he came I out did. with? I almost wanted to buy one, but I just didn't want to spend that much money on something so <laughs> On a trivial. novelty flamethrower? <laughs> Should have just used it for dabbing, though, I guess. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I wonder how that would work. Just straight up on your nail. Just heat that nail up instantly with your fucking flamethrower. It'd be dope. Oh, jeez. Nice. Well, yeah, so... Uh, if you're gonna do once a month, how's that going? You got a you got a lot of tracks to put out. Do you do you have like a process for you to help try to get one track out a month, or is it kind of one of these like you're just always throwing stuff together and hoping something sticks? Well, I mean, I'm constantly making new stuff, and and to be honest, uh, unless with like a couple rare exceptions, most of the stuff that you're hearing online is something that I wrote like over a year ago. Um, or even longer in a lot of cases, but um, at least for the way it's working now is I just kind of have a back library and then new stuff that I just on a on a regular basis just decide, hey, it's it's time. It's time. You're you're ready. All right. Fly free, baby. <laughs> Fly free. <laughs> so you're rocking a Daft Punk hat. Is that a is that a influence for you? Oh, totally. Yeah. I I mean. As far as like my favorite electronic early music, it was probably uh, Bass Hunter, uh, Eric Prids, like OG Eric Prids, and then da- Daft Punk. So what is your definition of OG Eric Prids? Because I mean, there's kind of a difference, but like a lot of Prids is fairly similar. Uh, I mean, if you compare a piano to like his newest track, uh, like Stay With Me or whatever the heck yeah. it is then, I mean, right there, it just speaks for itself. Okay, but, fair enough. But, I mean, all of, like, those tracks, like, back in the day that were kind of in that same vein, like the old Cascade tracks and Guru Josh. Yeah. And uh, other random people. Yeah, I mean, he's also kind of like that. He's always releasing tracks, like, on his podcast. He's like, well, I found this song that I haven't heard on my hard drive in, like, six years. So I decided to, like, remaster it and put it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, That's oh, what shit. I did. All right. I, I constantly will find myself writing music and then forgetting that I wrote it at any point in time. And then it's almost as much of a mystery, or I guess not a mystery, but a surprise to me finding like, it as anything Oh, yeah, else. this track. Yeah, I find that sometimes when I go back and look through old stuff that we used to mess with, and I'm like, oh, wait, this actually has some solid, like, meat to it. And you could kind of have a, a structure to it that you can play with more and advance more. And I don't know, if you pick up a, a new synth or something that you really have started to understand and learn a little bit more, you're like, oh, maybe I could do more to this. Yeah, to- I mean, my process, and it it's I, I've almost been working everything down to a science because I do actually – eventually want to release a book on just kind of like my formulaic process of writing music because I think it is that in itself formulaic or I guess kind of in a way anyways but um, generally I what I'll do is I'll find old projects strip all the sounds except for drums and then just start over but then you already have everything there that creates the arrangement so it makes it super super easy interesting like remixing yourself (laughs) Faraday remixing Faraday. Yep. Yeah. So you've got your website is now fully out. Yep. 
Yeah. And so do you want to explain where the name Faraday comes from? Um, I, I will. Um, it actually comes from me being a delinquent or a hooligan. <laughs> but uh, back in college, I spent some um, time in, in my class on a particular substance. And ha we happened to be learning about Faraday that day. And it just kind of dawned on me that, oh, that's a dope name. <laughs> Nice. And then I went on SoundCloud and nobody else had been using it, so I just took it. Nice. Yeah, didn't you say that someone else is trying to use that name recently? Oh, yeah. There's some fucker in Italy. <laughs> Fucking Italians. And I can't... I <laughs> If it was in America, I could have actually trademarked my name in like a day or however long the process takes and then just sent a cease and desist letter um, or even more so just waited till they, they made money and then used a lawyer to take all of their money but um now that the dude's in italy i can't i can't actually do much about it like there i read through the whole process and you can't even you'd have to move to italy and spend money on an italian lawyer in order to like process like do anything about it basically yeah all that shit's tough like i don't know on my end we had uh gravitylift.com and my manager at the time decided to make a shitty little website and not really do anything with it and then now we went back to actually use it for our yoga and everything we're doing now and someone owns it and i have to pay like 800 bucks if i want to get it back so i was That's like so no no thanks so we did gravitylift.space so it's like nowadays you can kind of like find a different you know dot com or dot org or whatever dot ninja yeah dot ninja it yeah, exists you can you have all these different ones, which is kind of cool. But then um, apparently in January, somebody uh, trademarked the name Gravity Lift. And it's some, I don't know what it was for, for some other technology that has nothing to do with music or anything that we do. It's like an actually a product. And they trademarked it like oh, just yeah. recently. But apparently like trademarks take like a year to go through. And so uh, like our, our yoga teachers have like trademarked their specific name styles mm -hmm. that no one can use it. But apparently it's already taken. Well, I mean, I've heard a lot of other, I guess, like artists mostly talk about this in terms of can you use your name as like an artist name if, if it's been taken as another brand and people uh, or br another brand meaning like another um, type of entire like universe of, of stuff. So like say if someone's using it, Faraday as an example for cars, can they then like pursue lawsuits against me which according to the law i don't think they can if it's in two different like genres of yeah it has to of, be like a specific same thing like if someone was also a dj or a producer or in the music industry somehow then yeah but yeah yeah exactly or i mean that goes for anything like you can't sell fridges under the name like gen air you can <laughs> <laughs> i mean you could if you wanted to but <laughs> yeah it's interesting how much like brands stick with people and how like i mean i guess a lot of it's social media now that has made it that much more important but a brand sticks in someone's head oh yeah yeah i mean i i was kind of talking about this earlier today with someone to where it actually is super super um i guess kind of heavily weighed in the music industry especially that brands or even certain like singular tastemakers get have like all the power right now because people for the most part, won't just go out and find whatever they find. And that's like the music that they like. They go to one place and that brand then curates their sound, their whatever they're listening to for, for everything. I mean, it doesn't always apply to every everybody, but 
Um, but, but universally, that's yeah. pretty, pretty classic. You yeah, know, someone will go to like a DJ will go to the same blog, or like that's where they find pretty much all of their music because that blog has kind of been the easiest spot. It's almost an inundation of information. So it's like you wait for someone else to curate a taste for you because to go out and try to curate it yourself would take too much time and takes you know, an army of people. So hard, dude. I know. So hard. How's that going on the DJ side of things then? Having to like create your own brand and have a website up because I saw that you're also doing like mix downs and stuff for friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, now I I mean, I'll do an, all that kind of stuff like mastering and mixing and STEM mastering and ghost producing uh, for, <laughs> for, for anybody. But <laughs> Write me a track, bro. Get me famous. Um, but I mean, right now it's I guess you could say just starting and I just wanted to have the medium there to make to just make it possible in case it's something that like I guess kind of takes off. But um I mean, mostly I'm doing it just so that, honestly, the people that are already getting mastering from me know that it's serious and they can then um, make it seem serious to other people, basically, and so that it's not just some random dude that is mastering music in his bedroom, which <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you got a separate room for it. I do have a separate room. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, going through that website process was difficult, trying to get your website like fully perfect. And we like just launched ours pretty much at the same time as you launched yours. And it's uh, a lot of effort goes into that, baby. Dude, it's uh, kind of like aggravating almost, but uh, eventually you just get into a rhythm where you're just like, okay, I I'm fine with formatting this to the utmost extent. So I'm just going to get it done now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see how much that'll help because it's like, I know a website's important, but at this point, going back to like branding, it's like, how many times have you found yourself really going to someone's website versus going to their SoundCloud or their Facebook page or Instagram page? It seems to be those are kind of the like immediate go-tos. Oh, for sure. I mean, I agree, but the for me, the website was something that I want to be able to put kind of like the Patreon spin on to be able to give something extra if they're willing to like look into finding more about me. Yeah. And, and myself personally, I'll always go to like a specific website, at least in the music department for, I mean, mostly labels and looking for contact information, but it, it's just like that way, you know, if someone actually cares about what you're doing. So give them a, like a little bit extra for going the mi extra mile, basically. Yeah, it feels a lot better to get an email to your official email that's linked to your website instead of a, you know, Instagram DM or a Facebook message. You're like, all right, cool, you found me on Facebook. But to actually get that like through an email feels a little bit more official. Oh, yeah, like people actually or whoever it is cares about the process and, yeah. and like being professional about it and like respecting you and your medium and stuff like that for sure. Yeah, it's pretty crazy nowadays, all the shit that's going down with Facebook um, and the Cambridge Analytica or whatever, you've been following any of that? Oh, no. So basically like a year ago, there was like this giant conspiracy theory that Facebook is stealing all of your information and selling it to a larger corporation that's basically data mining all of you. And that's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's obvious. But it was kind of this big conspiracy theory. And now there's a bunch of stuff that just came out about a – company that you've never heard of called Cambridge Analytica and the whole story broke and Facebook has lost I don't remember how much 
billions of dollars. And like Mark Zuckerberg has lost over $5 billion just because Facebook lost like 4% of its stock because everyone's just selling because they're like, oh, Facebook's fucked. Basically, Facebook is uh, taking all of your information, which we already knew they were, Mm -hmm. but they're like to an extent that we had no idea. And apparently there's like arguably ties between uh, Mark Zuckerberg and like the Russian oligarchy and like he helped out with like all this stuff and Facebook was complicit with the whole Donald Trump being elected president. Like I don't really know. There's some crazy shit that's been going on with all that so everyone's on this giant like delete facebook post rant i mean personally i i've been having like this internal struggle of wanting to completely be done with facebook yeah but at the same time needing it for my business and and, and basically in order to contact or talk with people basically uh, for the most part um and i mean obviously there's other ways to do that but it's just so convenient and so deeply intertwined with what I do that it, it would be like, I don't know, like cutting off my foot at this point. Right. Because at least that's what it feels like. I'm sure it wouldn't be that bad, but. But I, I like can't even conceptualize what it would be like to not have Facebook solely because that is a platform with which we can get out our business. Yeah. Um, the problem is how much information we have given to Facebook when we first like signed up and we were like, oh, here's the school I went to and Mm -hmm. here's all the stuff I did. And, you know, well, you got to have your secret password login. So what's your mother's maiden name and what's Mm -hmm. your first dog? And so like a lot of those same stuff you use for your bank passwords or whatever. And so um, I guess there's, you know, those like Equifax breaches and whatnot. And apparently there was some sort of breach that, several million people got their Facebook information hacked. So it's like, if that gets hacked, then other stuff gets hacked. And then suddenly you've got your identity lost and you've lost all your money. I don't know. It's kind of a crazy loop. You can go on about how scary it is, but. Um, I actually read, I think it was a video actually, like some, some sort of actual, like a Facebook video or a video on Facebook of some dude like breaking down the, I guess the fourth wall into Facebook of just like, what it would actually cost in order to not have them minus for data all the time and bombard us with ads and be able to use the platform and like what you consider the proper way, which is just an unfiltered by Facebook way. And it would actually come down to just paying them $15 per year. That's all, all it costs. Because of how many people are on Facebook. Yep. Yep. So that's what's interesting is that a bunch of people wouldn't use Facebook if it wasn't free. Yeah, but, w- but I mean, personally, I would be so willing to pay that $15. For them just, not to mine all your information. Yeah, just yeah. to get the fuck out. Because as long as it's free, you are the product. Oh, yeah. That's the scary. They have to make part. money somehow. Yeah. I guess that's what's scary if that all, like wraps around back to artificial intelligence and all of your information is stored somewhere and a a machine can look at you and within a millisecond know every single piece of information about you and judge how to react around you or some shit. Well, (laughs) I'm having nightmares tonight. (laughs) Yeah, your computer is going to start doing some crazy shit. It already is. Yeah. My cat sees shit. He sees ghosts all the time. Uh, are you sure it's not just spiders? It's both <laughs> ghost spiders. <laughs> so spider ghosts? Yeah. Damn. 
Those are real scary. <laughs> What's your cat's name again? Calcifer. Calcifer. From the uh, his name hails from the movie called Howl's Moving Castle by Studio Ghibli and um, Hayao Miyazaki, mm. and he is the in the movie the name is the little fire that powers Howl's house. Howl's is is house and um, <laughs> is kind of sassy and and stuff like that. But he's he. Reminds me of my cat, actually. Yeah, so your cat's pretty sassy. He, I don't know if sassy is the right word, but he's like a, a lovable dick, I guess you could say. I feel like that's cats in general. Yeah, I, well, I've, he's never, I guess, acted like any of the other cats I've owned. And they, they've all mm -hmm. been a, a lovable dick. Like, they'll come cuddle, but sometimes they're assholes. But they, for the most part, just, like, don't move, I guess. Like, my mm -hmm. the last two cats I've had, they would just chill for the most part. But... He's also the youngest cat I've ever had. Yeah. And I think he might be half panther <laughs> because he's huge now. He's like 20 pounds. Yeah. So how old is he now then? Uh, One, he's a year and a half. Okay. Because I met him like six months ago. So he was still a, a little guy. I guess he's pretty big though. No, yeah. I mean, he he's just, he hasn't like gotten fat, but if you hold him out, like if you put one hand behind his front legs and one hand behind his back legs, he's at least like almost three to four feet long. Nice. Which is big just, old kitty. Yeah, he's big guy. Genetically modified cat. I wish. <laughs> he might be though. They told me he was a domestic short hair and he has long hair. So I don't, I don't actually know what he is anymore. They totally just fucking lied to you. I need to get Ancestry.com for cats. <laughs> <laughs> What is that, like 23 and me? Just get your cat to spit in a bottle? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that right there is a business idea for anyone listening. So <laughs> you're welcome if you're rich now. <laughs> oh, geez. Have you ever done any of that stuff? Ancestry.com or 23 and me? Dude, well, I really want to, but I just can't. I, I, I'm like really, I guess, um, restrictive of myself on spending money on things that's yeah. just I, I mean it has a point i guess you could say at least but it's just do i really <laughs> need <a> <laughs> that to, and do yeah. i really need to send away a hundred dollars of my money for that when i could probably just ask my parents to do it or something yeah or they probably already have to be honest yeah they had like a two for one deal and so i got it for antonella and then i got it for my sister and so i figure if my sister does it it'll be pretty similar to what my ancestry is i just well, I got mean, it for I her hope. yeah right who knows <laughs> uh and then antonella just did hers recent so i'm i'm interested to see that um and it's kind of cool looking back on that because she's quote unquote 100 percent italian <laughs> Both of her parents are full Italian and they lived in Italy and came here. I think her grandparents came here from Italy um, or maybe they did. But either way, um, I'm really interested to see what happens with that because Italy isn't a very old place as a country itself. No. So it's like there's a lot of history behind where people came from and crossbreeding and I don't know. Do so you, she, she hasn't gotten the answers? No, nah, she like just sent it in. Ooh. She took a while to spit in that bottle. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting hearing about other people that have done it because apparently like Mongols wiped out like half of the population or some shit way back in the day. And so oh, yeah. a bunch of people have Mongol blood. And Well, they didn't wipe out half the population. They just took over 
like a third of the world and had sex with everybody. <laughs> Just everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. Anyways. That's crazy. One of those things. Dude, Genghis Khan was actually a better leader than most people make him out to be. And why he was so successful is because he was just amazing. Cause he, he wouldn't like ride into a town and kill everyone. He would literally just march up with this giant army and be like, you can join us or leave. That's like your two options. And then the only people who he killed were people that were just deliberately trying to attack him. Interesting. And he died of natural causes too, I think. So I mean, he was just like, just sleeping over. with everyone. Oh yeah, I mean, he was. <laughs> as far as I know, he was overall like revered by the the Mongols by heavily. I think. I think not by the Chinese. The Chinese hated the shit out yeah. of him. But apparently, he was a savage. Um, Joe Rogan always talks about uh, Dan Carlin with Hardcore History. I still have to listen to that. He talks about it all the time. He's like, dude, the Mongol episode is the best episode I've ever heard. So interesting. You'll buy that. Apparently, it's like a dollar, and you can buy an episode of Hardcore History and listen to but uh that's what's kind of interesting now is that things are turning into that uh paid medium you kind of mentioned patreon like mm-hmm. an idea of giving someone something and as a as a producer you create music and you hope to someday get paid for it but like you said your song coming out you're releasing for free for a free download oh yeah um so it's interesting how things come to this like free model and then evolve into being a paid subscription type idea? Uh, well, so, I mean, the reason that I'm releasing this one for free is, uh, for, for one, it's it's a remix for a group that I would not want to really deal with the whole legality of trying to re-release their music and make money off of it myself. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the big thing. But at the same time, even if you didn't have that part, whole aspect, like if you're just releasing a self-made original... Um, in certain cases, it is worth releasing it for free because the amount of people that you get on an email list or already following you, depending on your level of success at the time, I guess, is easily convertible into other sales or streams on different platforms that actually pay you, where obviously SoundCloud's not one of those. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what's interesting is how things are evolving because it's, it's very easy to talk shit about social media. Like, I fucking hate social media. But at the Pretty. same time, it does some really great things. And it's cool that it's kind of spawned things like Patreon where you yeah. can sign up for something and people can send you money for you to continue creating a, a product or a service. Yeah. Uh, Patreon, I think, I mean, I, I actually I can't remember who was talking about it. I think it was maybe like actually the H3 podcast talking about it, about how it, Patreon itself seems kind of like a bit distant or, or a bit just like not as genuine as it could be to where if like someone came to your website and had like, you pay $5 and get something special that only you can get for coming to this place or whatever it may be. But I guess Patreon is that in a way, but it's meant at least it seems in order to just get as many people onto it as possible. So you can make as much money as possible and you're just going to sell out carbon copies of whatever it may be like a action figure or something just to get these people to sign up for it. But, um, I guess you could say it the other way. It kind of breaks down the same way, but I don't know. It's kind of like a social media network in and of itself. So yeah. how do we get as many people into this network as possible to, you know, give away money for a product that they're interested in? Um, it is cool, though, like whether or not Patreon is the, you know, perfect modality. It's 
a cool idea to become a patron of someone or something. Oh, yeah. Um, just because you can find people that you enjoy. And instead of having to be like, oh, well, the way I can support this, you know, stand-up comedian is to go see them live. Or the way I can support this uh, producer is by buying their movie. Like you actually have a way that you can feel like you are tangibly connected in in some way to a project. Um, like I've been sold many times on Kickstarters. I'm like <laughs> I just – I want to be a part of this thing and I think this is dope. And I think the people who are a part of it are really cool. Um, and so I really like that aspect, but kind of what weirds me out to an extent is the amount of people that pay for like Twitch streaming, like, dude, it, it amazes me how like much money some of those streamers are making. If you go on and just watch like the dollar signs roll in and watch people's donations come in, just even with someone playing like a game of league that they could make like a thousand dollars playing yeah. a game of league. That just blows my mind. <laughs> when PewDiePie makes like what multiple millions a year, yeah, and all he does is ha- he has like three pieces of cardboard in his house set up behind his computer, and that's like his studio or that's like his recording room, whatever it is. Yeah, and now we're looking into try to like find mediums to be able to do that in some way, shape, or form because I don't know. I don't. I don't want to feel disingenuous about it at all. Like you were saying, Patreon can be, but there are people out there who believe in you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's super important as a, you know, a producer or a DJ, as a performer. Like if you find those people that are really invested in you, they're looking for more ways to support you. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of weird as a DJ because you're like, all right, cool. Well, I got you free guest list. Thanks for coming out and supporting me. But mm-hmm. those people like want to support you more. And you're almost like supporting them <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah. By giving true, them like true. free guest list. Um, so it's cool to see if you can create that another way. Well, I appreciate it because I mean, it it does give, especially musicians and I mean, other artists too, um, a way to sell or I guess not even sell something, but I guess acquire money for in exchange for something that's unique to them. Whereas like for the most part, musicians only options before was to either sell merch or, to release music and that was like it so you could either get a cool shirt or you just get the actual song but now it's just like oh i could as a producer i could have a package for producers and i can give you everything that made this song and if you pay yada yada or whatever it may be like a special shirt that nobody else can get if you're paying this like whatever this is that that kind of stuff yeah it's 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 interesting i kind of enjoy it but again it's that idea of like we were talking about artificial intelligence. Like you can either fight it or you can kind of accept that it's coming in one form or another and how you, how you utilize it will help shape it. But I think very often people tend to like fight something. They're like, no, this is different. Yeah. Well, I mean, personally I'm hopefully, well, I guess partially excited for the future because I feel like, the generation that we're in and maybe even the one before that and definitely the one after us are more more open to just different things basically and and we're all even like people younger than us are kind of just tired of the way stuff is in the world right now but what it seems like is that it's all stemming down from the older generations that are just unwilling to change on a lot of things and even if if you talk to those type of people they're or they're just unwilling to change on even like day-to-day things so it's 
hard to change how the world works with like I guess so much pushback on it from different sides of each generation like we're us wanting to change and older people not wanting to change at all. Now do you think that happens consistently down the line like will we become those old people that don't want the change eventually yeah i mean that's the next thought that i always have and i i'm it's just like always a curious thing to me to where it's just like oh when i'm old am i gonna not want to adapt to whatever new technology is is our version of like the current old people's smartphone or whatever it may be do i not want to hang out with virtual reality with my friends well I just want to be in real reality. Dude, vinyl's better. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, everything has some sort of merit to it. So I see why that's, you know, important in some way or another to try to, like, keep some of that idea. But at the same time, like, my argument for, like, artificial intelligent cars. Like, I love driving. I drive all the time. And I would be super sad to give up driving. But if it can mean, like, hundreds of thousands less deaths per year from driving accidents and traffic is infinitely better because cars will just zipper merge perfectly bumper to bumper and just go. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. Like, why not? I actually, like, a a while ago, there was me and several of my friends ended up having, like, a yelling-level debate of... (laughs) whether or not it's a good idea to replace the entire population of cars with self-driving ones and like how long it would take and why it would or wouldn't be a good idea or if people would actually want would want to do it and personally i think what it came down to is that we de- we decided that like americans especially with guns people wouldn't want to get rid of their cars even more so and that it would be just too hard to take people away from their cars basically um, but I, I personally believe that it, it would be the best thing ever if all cars were just re- replaced by self-driving cars. Like they all sh- go to a warehouse that's like in the ground. You just Uber one basically to you and then it takes you to where you need to go and then it goes back to the bunker. Yeah. But think about how much people like will even push back against, uh, automatic cars. Like oh. I remember it would, and it's not even, I'm not even that old, but I remember being in high school, uh, what was it? 11, 12 years ago. And some kid had the same car as me, but his was manual. And all he could talk to about me every time he saw me was how much his car was better than mine. And I was like, sweet dude. Like, you're you not, can, you can you're shift not shifting your car. the gears. <laughs> you're, you're having the gears shifted for you. It's not even real driving. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just funny how we as individuals attached to something so much and, in, and our, our identity is that thing. Um, yeah, that's I, that's like one of the things I don't personally get about humans because it doesn't necessarily apply to me as much. Like, obviously, with music, that's like definitely part of my identity. But I, I consider music something that kind of like transcends uh, even humans a little bit. Um, but I mean, for like material things, like if someone insulted the type of beer I'm drinking, I don't get offended by it. But I know plenty of people that probably would or like the sports team that's that i support if someone insulted that or if like for instance the seahawks if someone told me they were shitty i'd just be like okay whatever <laughs> but someone else who's obsessed with the seahawks is like no fuck you, you my just, team's the best team ever yeah you just clearly insulted my actual integrity as a as a person because you are talking down to my sports yeah sports ball the uh there's a lot of 
new terms that are being thrown around in society. And one of a most recent one in regard to a lot of it is toxic tribalism. And I oh, really yeah. associate with that and the idea that someone is like, no, this is my thing. And I'm going to back up my thing no matter what, because it's me versus you. But there's so many different things in our world where everyone has a different opinion and we get so tied up into like, no, my opinion's right. And I'm going to talk to these other people who believe the same opinion as me. And that's oh, yeah. where like Facebook has become this like echo chamber of like the only people that you see stuff from are the people that you like their statuses. And so the only statuses you see are the statuses that have to do with things that you enjoy or people that you like. Agree with. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, I, I agree. Social media is the sole contributor. Oh, well, maybe not the sole contributor other like, besides human nature itself, but it is the major contributor recently anyways, in terms of pushing us back towards that ideological thinking where it's, it's just our idea or you're done. And that's what, how like cavemen think, or I mean, to an extent you could, if you push it even further than that, it's not, it's not the way up. It's definitely the way back to where we started. Yeah. How do we evolve? How do we become like Elon Musk? become an alien <laughs> well clearly so the what we have to do is so if elon musk is an alien challenging himself to be on earth and to get back to space we have to go into the ground and try to to bore our way back uh, to, to the, the top, center to the of surface. the earth and oh uh, that too and we then can come do back that. yeah <laughs> dude i would love to go to space that's one of those like things i i don't think physically i can handle it like roller coasters Ooh. don't sit well with me well that and you have to become either a master pilot or a master scientist to get there which kind of sucks just try to become a master at music making instead i mean i, I wish that was how you could get to space if you're david getta you can pay like the virgin <laughs> mobile guy to send you to space i think Richard armin Branson. was gonna do that too actually yeah like go fly up into the just be like, I don't know, one of the mesosphere or something like that, where it's just beyond our atmosphere. Yeah, but I think that that ship like blew up or something. Really? From what I heard. Oh, I didn't follow that. Crazy. Too bad David Guetta wasn't on it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking Guetta. Yeah. That's what's crazy now is that we've got these um, superstars that are music producers and it's always been kind of that way like oh you're a performer like mm -hmm. you you got famous as a rock band or whatever but the fact that these people have so much influence because of something like social media where they can tweet out to their 100 million followers and be able to do so much with so little yeah it's pretty intense that we have these like leaders that are like essentially elected by social media voting because like the, the, and, the amount of likes yeah the amount of influence they have is based on the amount of people that have liked them so the more people that like them the more influence they have so it's almost like you're voting with your thumbs up like i like this guy therefore he has more power is that a black mirror episode or is that <laughs> probably i haven't seen all the black mirror episodes i've seen all of season three i think Think it, all the uh, way through th season three but i think I haven't it finished them. might be another show but i mean it sounds like that's black mirror <laughs> yeah pretty much premise of a lot of different things it's crazy how social media has become the i mean donald be all. donald trump is a perfect example of what yeah. you just said because there, there's no way that he's the best person suited for the job but there's probably a 
uh, if you were to break it down, a pretty good chance that he acquired like the most um, actual social media, um, I guess, response from people in order to push him to where he was if you were to somehow accumulate all of that, which would probably be impossible. But I mean, there's so many people talking about him. It was inevitable that he was yeah. he was going to end up in that position. Yeah, and it's, it's he could have said anything. He could have he could have literally said something like he could have been more feminist and more homophobic and all of that kind of stuff, and still probably won. Yeah, it's or interesting. Less feminist, I guess it's it's almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how much people are just like willing to follow how we're we're like all looking for a tribe to be a part of it it almost feels like that that human searching uh like a a quote from cascade was always talking about i guess a quote from cascade was referencing the idea that the people who came to the electronic music world were the misfits in their own world and they couldn't find a place to fit in and here was this place that accepted them mm -hmm. i feel like that happens so often is people are just looking for something to be a part of and then they've end up being a part of it and they are like so all about it but then f who knows five years later something could change and they're totally done with it yeah we, we're just so fickle and, well people. that and i personally think that music is our version of religion to where um older generations were i, I well i mean I, I don't know for sure but i don't think that many of like the the older generations like back in the 1800s and before even early 1900s were into music as much as we are they you could literally probably replace religion with music on a one to one scale for how much like you or I go to a show and how much you those people from the 1900s early 1900s or before would go to church it's probably pretty similar and the, i guess the feeling that we get from what we do at a at a concert or an event it's probably the same they get from going to church or pretty close to it. So it's, I mean, just becoming this like new religious wave of like new age spirituality, I guess, but which huh. is super, super interesting to think about. Yeah. Did you ever go to church? Uh, I mean, I have never been someone that likes organized religion in the fact that I don't like people telling me what to think or do, but um I have, as when I was younger, gone to church when I was like with other people's families and just like staying with them for the weekend. And if they were church going, I would just not be an asshole and go with them and stuff like yeah. that. But I would say that I've never once enjoyed being at church. I will admit that. <laughs> Dude, I like grew up deep in religion. I We used to go to church every Sunday. Like I used to go to youth groups and everything. And I think you're very much right is – it, it makes you feel a part of something and you go and there's singing and you get to meet other people and you hear a sermon and mm -hmm. someone tells you about, you know, something that is somewhat um, motivational or inspirational in some way about how to be a better person or how to react to a certain situation that comes your way. Um, or to find meaning in life, which is the end goal. Mm -hmm. And that's where maybe. It, I think you're right in that that reference of going to a show. You meet other people and you get this motivation and you get to hang out with friends and you hear beautiful music and it's almost like there's a sermon going on and you There's a leader up front. He's yeah. the DJ waving his hands around just like the the priest or whatever the heck they're called. Except he's not 
telling you what to do. Yeah. He's allowing you to experience the music, how it speaks to you. Yeah, and well, and have your own train of thought at the same time and yeah. not have someone like replacing your thought with their words. But I think that's hugely important is nowadays we're we're constantly searching for that leader, but we are searching for that leader because we're lost and we don't know where we want to go. So we're not using our own brains to come up with these complex analyzations of who we are and how we want to be and how to be a good person in the world. And so we're just like, hey, 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 I'm, I have so much anxiety and depression and ADD that I can't focus on anything. I just want you to tell me what to do and how to be. And that's the general human now. That's like Mr. Average Human. Or and Mr. that's social and media where you go to Motivation Mondays on Instagram because you need to get up after your weekend of drinking because you were told you're supposed to drink on Saturday and then you're supposed to go to work Monday through Friday and then you're supposed to get your way through it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I always have myself a, a lot of like deep thoughts about just – how, uh, well, American societies especially, but just the current kind of way society works is, has been shaping people. And I, I mean, obviously, it, there's a definite, definite correlation between us being trapped inside working all day on a general basis as new Americans or the current Americans, modern Americans, whatever it is, but, uh, and, and are all, all of us having like, increasing amounts of anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts and all of that kind of stuff. And it, there is like a scientifically based correlation between the way that the world is moving now or moving towards now to where everyone's inside working, not really doing anything other than sitting in a chair and looking at a screen and the increased level of just pure disdain for your own life, basically. Like so people can't even enjoy themselves. Yeah. Interesting thought because my – a lot of what I think – I don't want to blame it all, but I think a lot of it boils down to social media as creating a lot of that anxiety and FOMO and depression because just a weird example since we both spend a lot of our time sitting in front of a computer, um, you do it at work mm -hmm. and I do it for you know work or whatever. But then a lot of our free time is also spent in front of a computer. Or a screen. True. So that's the thing is like I like to do certain things in front of a computer that do bring me joy and therefore like help my anxiety. And I would assume similar for you when you produce music. Yeah, it's a bit of a job and so you're working at it but you get a, a feeling from producing. And so I think a lot of it is just finding a purpose in what you do and feeling fulfilled in your job. And I think social media – constantly gives us this anxiety of oh that dude is doing it better or True. that girl looks cuter because she knows how to do this or that and then i think a lot of it comes to this ability to see what everyone around us is doing all of the time yeah it's not good and then we don't stay focused on our drive and what we want to do because i do agree that like the screens thing you could definitely correlate to depression and anxiety and whatnot but I think – Well, it's not necessarily screens, I guess, per se. It's more or less the fact that from birth, we're molded into someone that needs to be working for a certain amount of time per day, certain amount of time per week, inside, indoors, with just at a desk, not doing anything, not actually 
being able to interact with humans on on a, a level to where it's it's fulfilling, like you were saying, and especially most Americans, I don't think that are working um, average jobs are necessarily being fulfilled by those jobs. They're just, I mean, it's it's statistically impossible for for a majority of Americans to be happy with their medium or low level jobs because that's what what nine over ninety or probably close to ninety percent of us are have at this point since most of the money is allocated with those richer people so it's i mean it's just kind of sad seeing it go to that way where the 90 percent is now becoming depressed because we're being forced into boxes and that yeah that's about it yeah interestingly enough like um i'm super intrigued by the idea of universal basic income mm-hmm. and going back to ai of like you know, now we've seen McDonald's have a kiosk where you can go up and order your food. So you don't have to talk to anyone. You can fully automate all of these machines to cook all your food, put it out on a conveyor belt and set it all up. So part of me is down for that. I think there's a lot of things that need to be looked on on a lot more complex levels than I can ever imagine. Mm-hmm. But the same idea, like I think if we can – eliminate a lot of those lower style jobs and then save money with those companies and charge higher taxes or something. Fuck if I know. And then we get a universal basic income where someone can be paid enough money that they can afford a super minimal amount of food and a minimal amount of living. And then with that, they can then go spend their time on the things that they want to do instead of having to work just enough to pay the bills and then maybe a little bit more to have these extra. Is mm-hmm. Then you can go pursue your dreams. Um, and like I've kind of gotten lucky in that situation in where I live now. Like I can – I have to go out and prune trees. And so when it's sunny outside, I go out and I prune apple trees. Yeah. And like it's monotonous work but at the same time like I get to be outside. I get to work with my hands and then I get to switch it up and come in and work outside – work inside doing podcasts and stuff. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my hope toward the future is that we will start uh, having to work less menial jobs and have more of an opportunity to search for the things that make us happy. Because I've been told ever since I was young, like, don't settle. Find what it is that makes you happy and do that and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, uh, fuck if I know what that is. Like, I'm at 29 searching far and wide how to figure out what exactly it is. And I was looking back on it the other day and essentially, like, I have everything I could ever want in life. But it's super easy to look at social media and see some guy with 10 million followers getting paid a ridiculous amount of money to go travel the world and post pictures on social media. Yeah. Like, there's always something better. But at the same time, like I think we as humans need uh, more opportunities to search for what makes us tick. I mean, I agree that – well, I mean, what you just described, the universal basic income, that to me is actually incredibly interesting. But – there would be so many people who just, uh, I don't want to necessarily, I guess, like insult anyone. So I would just say they, they wouldn't be capable of understanding what what it means to actually give someone that. And they would just throw the red flag, like a little literal red flag of just saying, this is communism. Yep. Why do we want this? People are going to be working and getting, or not working and getting money. And it's just yeah. like, well, I mean... Well, the sad part is, is that most of those people probably have medium to low level income jobs and they could have a better life if this were to happen. But 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird that you could explain something like that to people and be like, you're going to be able to have money and a happy life and there's no downfall and people would still be against it. That's, that's kind of why I just, like going back to before, I don't believe that humans deserve things like AI or <laughs> things like that yet. Yeah. We just, there's so many people that just haven't made it there yet to where it's going to take, even, even if our technology surpasses us and then in the, like the next hundred years, it's going to take so much longer to re brainwash people or I guess unbrainwash people from the way things are currently. Yeah. Especially with people actively working against good intentions in order to make themselves more powerful and more like have more money. Yeah. It's pretty rampant. Everybody's just trying to make more money. And at some point it's like, why are you making more money? Yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, obviously, I've never had a billion dollars to be able to to then sit down and say, do I want another billion dollars or am I fine? But I just don't I personally think that at the point of where I'd have so much money to, to where I could buy anything at any moment and still be wealthy as shit that I would need at, at any point in time that I would ever think, huh, I think I need 50 times this amount to feel happy now. Just like, why, why is this happening? Like Elon Musk is a great example of that is he won't even pay himself until he reaches actual like career goals. And at that point, he only gets like a chunk of what he he actually earns and not just get like getting a bunch of money and then reducing people's wages and exporting jobs in order to profit more and never actually doing any good for anybody. Yeah. Except for yourself. Yeah. It was a, I heard about a study where it was like, once you get to, I think it was something like seventy five, eighty thousand dollars a year, is when people's like happiness level like kind of reaches a peak, mm -hmm. and then to like one hundred and twenty thousand or something like that, it like stays pretty much steady around that level. And then once you get richer than that, your happiness starts to decrease. I don't know if I'm butchering that study, but the general gist of it was that money only makes you happy up to a certain point. And then it's like the old rap adage, like more money, more problems. Like, oh, yeah. The, the more you get into it, the more anxiety that comes with it, the more stress. It's just like we as humans need this basic level of money that affords us the ability to not stress about paying our bills. And then once we get to that point, we can then survive. And we can find happiness and we can figure out what it is that makes us tick and we can spend time on ourselves. But we live in a culture of work 70, 80 hours a week for 20 years. You can finally afford to retire and go travel. And then you're already old and you're like, all right, now I have to find happiness. But I already gave 30 years of my life away to a company that doesn't give a shit about me. And, and that just company is generally spearheaded by a single person. So all of your efforts are literally only making a single person money. And and I know very well how that feels right now being <laughs> in one of those companies yep. <laughs> or working for one of those companies. And that's why I got out. And luckily, I'm in a spot where I'm able to survive barely. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on that process of how do I you know, make an income stream enough that I can actually afford to survive. Um, and be comfortable. And, then and be comfortable. I mean, that's 
Antonella and I were talking to like a financial advisor. <laughs> like we just want to be comfortable. I don't need to make a million dollars. I don't need to get super rich. I don't need to go do crazy adventures, but like just enough that I can be comfortable and meet cool people. Yeah. I, and yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, I, I would really love to sit down with someone with like, or someone like Jeff Bezos and just be like, so you have enough money to buy any company you want at any moment and do anything, literally anything the universe has to offer as far as we know at any single moment. Why do you continue to want more than that? What is your end goal? And it's it's just a weird like thing to think about, to, or like to me anyways, that most of those people that are in a similar position as Jeff Bezos, they probably don't have good intentions when you come when it comes down to it when someone has everything and they want something more than everything then there there is either something twisted behind that or i mean i don't even i don't even know what it is at that point because it just is unfathomable yeah money is power and what is it absolute power corrupts absolutely oh yeah it's uh but what is really interesting is people like bill gates and warren buffett who have pledged to give all of their money away they're like 95% of their money they're giving away. The rest they're giving to like their kids or like their charities or whatever. And the rest of it, they're just like, we're giving all this money away. So do you think for people like them that it was they didn't necessarily plan to be as rich as they became and they just now couldn't turn off the juggernaut of them like making money because they already had so much? Yeah, I think like I'll use a specific case of Bill Gates of like, all right, he started Microsoft and just made shit tons of money and then gave up all creative control over it and created the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation yeah, and now and spends still ridiculous money. amounts of money into that. So like, yeah, he's still making money, but then he's funneling ridiculous amounts of money into good causes. And Warren Buffett is just like a a genius – um, stock market guy. And so if he's, if he's working that, it's like, why give up your, I guess, talent in regard to making money? You might as well continue making money because I, I guess you could then give it to charity and you could do good things with it. Mm -hmm. So I yeah, wonder I mean, in, with some... in that case, I, I definitely agree with you that it's not necessarily like something twisted. It's just that that is his literal skill but it's twisted for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, not everyone is going to be like him. And those two are ones that stand out specifically because they're the only people like that that exist in in that type of like subculture of, of humans. And and obviously, if there was more examples, we'd be bringing them up right now. But <laughs> there just isn't. Yeah. It's, it's cool to think about, though, that those people, I don't know, we kind of talked about like if we get old are we going to still hold back the future generations? And I think those are shining examples of men who, you know, we didn't give examples of women, but I'm sure women too, of the idea that they can make enough money and hold enough influence and power to then decide, now I'm going to figure out how to be happy. And I think that's a super critical factor in humanity, like you saying people don't deserve artificial intelligence. Not yet. But I think until enough people can categorize what is necessary in order to be happy, 
then we don't deserve it because we're going to continue giving power to people like Putin or Donald Trump who like have no good intentions yeah, whatsoever. So something like AI, especially right now, would only be abused by people currently. And it just is that would the argument is already is like, in. I mean, you can talk about some people love to talk about how great Obama was. And I don't want to like shit on Obama, but at the same time, like used a shit ton of drones to kill a ridiculous amount of people with remote control technology. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the argument for that, though, is that actually I saw someone post this on Facebook and I rarely agree with political statements on Facebook. But um, <laughs> the guy said that you can't have us taking or bringing the troops home from from uh, from the Middle East and not have drone bombings. You can't have both. You have to have either one or the other. Yeah, true. Uh, and because the reason is, is because they're also the third option would be, oh, you can just not do any of that. You can just not have wars. But that I mean, obviously, that's not like realistic right now, because I mean, it's America. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if we could stop doing that, then we would have. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And obviously, we're never going to be on the ground floor unless either you or I decide that we want to become politicians and work our way up that whole ladder to be able to understand why on a day-to-day basis we have to be bombing other countries and what would happen if we did stop that? They're not going to necessarily tell the public those intentions. Yeah, or the which is what's weirdly intriguing is it's always been this idea of like the president gets to know everything about Area 51 and the president gets the nuclear codes and they know all the conspiracy theories. And then we give all of this information to a reality TV star. Now, oh, part, yeah. part of me is like that could be kind of cool because like – who knows? Maybe it's possible for me to become president someday. But at the same time, it's also slightly terrifying knowing that, like, almost anyone could become president someday. We president now. <laughs> Dude, Lil Wayne could have the nuclear code someday. Yeah. Guys. Like, what? Just popularity contest wise, who gets the most votes? I'll vote for Kanye in 2020. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> Uh, he's just as unstable as Donald Trump. Honestly, my my most recent <laughs> thought ab- about who I would want to be president is actually a gay dude. I don't know necessarily on a like a political standpoint why, but I just feel like it's the it's like having being able to have a man and a woman as president at the same time, which would be I guess advantageous. <laughs> Wait, so so you don't have a specific gay man in mind, just a gay man. Just any gay man. <laughs> just one one gay dude gets to lead the country. Interesting. Yeah. He would get stuff done, but he wouldn't be a dick about it like a normal a normal guy would, like a straight guy. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's 2018. Anything can happen. Yeah, well, I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon, just because the way things work is that, and this isn't because I'm I'm homophobic or anything. It's just that the way things work in politics is that you don't actually achieve the peak of your career until you're like 80 years old, <laughs> a la Donald Trump and and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna have to have it be a an, an acceptable like socio political climate for gay people to reach that age and be in political office for that long in order for any of them to become president. Yeah. Which is a scary thought. Well I think arguably you can become president if you're like thirty five years old. I mean you can, but 
Obama was what the or no JFK was the youngest one, and he was like fifty. Hmm. And I think Obama was pretty close to that too. So it's I mean you can become president can with air quotes become president at thirty five, but it'll it'll never happen unless like you said you get so many social media likes that the entire <laughs> America is is like behind you for some reason. Which yeah, well that's where like initially my whole hope with the this whole Donald Trump thing was that a lot of good will come from it in some way, shape, or form. However you foresee this presidency, like. Hopefully, some things will change that will benefit the American people from this process. And so, hopefully, enough ridiculousness comes to light and enough youth are then pushed to make a difference and to vote and to become a part of the system. It seems like it. It, it, it makes an interesting idea for that. Quite possibly, what if we could get a... 37 year old gay man to run for president and get enough votes to actually I'd vote for him. win I it, mean, un- uh, unless he was i mean I, I mean unless he was directly opposed to all of my morals and i'd probably not vote for yeah but right but i mean there's a probably a very high chance that he would be progressive in at least the socio social topics and myself the problem i always have with politics is that especially on the basis of where a lot of people will campaign. They like to decide that the social topics are what determines the actual um, politician and how you get into office. And then all of a sudden, once you're in office, you then start doing your actual political. (laughs) You're just like, oh, now I have actual political and economic um, opinions that you now have to deal with, which is exactly what happened with Trump. Yeah. And, and when it, it shouldn't be, the, there should be no social anything regarding poli- political um, elections. Like, I mean, all of that stuff should just be over with. Like, we should accept everybody and that's that's the end of it. And it should just be, why is this person, what is he going to do to make shit better? That's the end of the story. Yeah. And I don't know, understand why America especially has such an, a hard time getting past that. Like, why can't you just focus on what this person wants to do instead of who they or who they want to kick out or don't want to kick out? Now, do you think uh, we should have one single president? Well, so I've actually – this actually spins into another topic. I've actually theoretically reformatted the entire political system in like a thought, uh, I guess, like process to myself. And what it would be is um, online chat rooms to where, um, I guess, I mean, that's like a really, really basic version of what it would be. But essentially just rooms where everyone is Skyping in or something and there's tables of however many people and you all talk about and discuss topics on like a democratic level. So it would come down to like, say there's 20 people in a room. The first topic that pops up is, um, what should we do with, with like funding, uh, where like stuff like that and anything you can think of that the government currently does and make it actually democratic to where once decisions are decided upon in a certain group that then, uh, goes towards like a complete consensus. And then that that's what actually happens with the government based on those, those smaller agree or like discussions between people and you could even then funnel it into something greater but it's, so you're basically just putting everything online well i mean it's it's actual democracy the problem is is that america isn't a democracy it's a it's a republic just yeah. like you see in star wars and everybody knows how star wars goes 
<laughs> there's the rebels that get wiped out every single movie and the Imperials that are ruling the galaxy. So yeah. it's, I mean, I don't know why people can't learn that already. It's Star Wars. That's like the first movie I saw. <laughs> Pretty classic though. Humans not looking back on history. It's super easy to be like, oh, well, that was back then. And so that's not going to happen again. Yes. I mean, history repeats itself. That's the, yeah, that's the it, one like... thing I learned in history class. I don't even, I remember like <laughs> bits and tiny bits and pieces of certain actual topics. But the one thing I learned is that history repeats itself. Yeah. Whether or not you. If you let it to. Have you ever heard of Graham Hancock? No. He's just a, a writer who talks about some uh, some pretty controversial stuff. But he likes to say that uh, humans are a species with amnesia because we just keep forgetting that something we did was so ass backwards and we did it and it ruined civilization. And then we just start right back up again, do the same thing over and over and over again. That's funny. Does he say why he thinks it's that way or does he just kind of like make fun of humans? Uh, No, he's not really like making fun of humans. He's just like trying to look back on uh, science and historical texts in a way to showcase the things humans have done over and over and over mm. again in a way to say like, you know, the fall of Rome happened because of this. Um, for him specifically, he gets into some topics about a giant meteor hitting the earth 10,000 years ago and that gotcha. caused this giant wipeout and we lost a bunch of information, etc. So just saying well, that we're at. For myself too, I actually do just because I, I delve into like a lot of just deep deep thinking about random shit all the time but one of the things that i personally think about a lot is how humans as much as people want to deny it are at at the heart um mammalian creatures and and if you devolve us enough our instincts are the same as any any mammal on like a instinctual basis so it, it we i mean just like my cat for instance who every morning we'll jump on the table and go freaking crazy, like running around the house, <laughs> but it doesn't matter how many times I punish him. He'll still keep doing it. And that's like the exact same analogy for, for humans. Like there's doesn't matter how many times you punish us. We're still going to do what our instincts tell us to do until we're rewired. Yeah. So how do we rewire people? Cause doing I- drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> That's pretty much the answer. I have to agree with you there. He's really, I was listening to an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast and he had a uh, Brett Weinstein on and he's just an evolutionary biologist from Evergreen uh, College. I think I've heard that name before for sure. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that happened with him regarding uh, he got called out for a bunch of stuff and he got fired from Evergreen College for some oh. political stuff because he's an evolutionary biologist and he brought his evolutionary biology into the argument basically the argument was they were having like a a day because you know how they have days where they're like you know if you are a person of color stay home from work and that shows how much of an impact you have on the world so then the universities tried to do something the opposite of that was like if you are white and you have white privilege stay away from work and because we don't want you here for this specific day. And he like argued against it. And he like came to school and got like a ton of backlash. People were like screaming at him and he got fired from the university and like a bunch of crazy shit happened. So he he went to work yeah. when he wasn't supposed to. So he went they to work fired. when he was supposed to. But some people basically said we are having this day where if you are white, you shouldn't go to work. 
Um, it's a it's a complex issue that like I don't even really want to like. So, so people got angry at him for not acknowledging that white privilege exists, basically. Yeah, pretty oh. much, and he just he's an evolutionary biologist, and so he looks back on like you were what you were saying about like we as mammals have this instinct that goes back to the way we are, and like he his opinion regarding evolutionary biology is that like you know you have a gender and like that gender comes from your biology and there are people nowadays that don't agree with that they believe that like gender doesn't exist it's a social construct etc no um, I, well personally as far as that goes i think people that aren't scientifically inclined have decided to have opinions on the scientific topics and are mixing up deliberately mixing up sexual preference with gender which are not not the same thing yeah so there's a lot of convoluted information that you're right people are going based off of what they feel and not off of science um but his like, science was pretty interesting to hear him talk about this evolutionary biology and why we do the things that we do and where we come from and like why mm -hmm. we have these instincts and i think that's super important to understand like i'm not the type of person that says like oh science is the end all be all like I'm a yoga instructor that like kind of believes in like subtle energy and some like some pretty interesting stuff. But at the same idea, I think there's a huge importance in science and looking back on the science that we can know and mm -hmm. seeing that and then hopefully using that information to guide the discussion because mm -hmm. our science is always growing. At the same time, I agree like drugs are important to kind of like shift that perspective to be able to see it in a different light. But we need to combine the use of drugs with actual science to be able to say, like, rather than just, like, I feel like this because I did some acid, man. Yeah. And, like, all right, well, here's a scientist who spent their entire life studying this specific topic. And how do we combine those to change humans? Because, like you said, how do we get that shift where people can start to, I don't know, become better people? I well, so I agree, and my 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 like thought on that whole topic is that feelings do matter, and what what you think and feel about something does matter. But you should never be able to trump science with with something that's intangible and just like a singular thought on maybe echoed by other people, but definitely a singular thought, and not something that where you could sit down and replicate it because it is actual science. Like you can't just erase that kind of stuff and, and say it doesn't matter anymore because at that point you are then saying that cars shouldn't work anymore, that literally all of modern society should not not be something that you you no longer believe in if you think that your own thoughts and feelings can trump scientific achievements and discoveries. And Yeah, it's absolutely foolish to do so. And oh, so yeah. There, it's, you you got to use – I mean it's – you have access to so much information at your fingertips unlike ever before. And so why not combine your specific emotion or feeling? Because your specific emotions and feelings guide your reality. Mm -hmm. You know, reality can be pretty complex, but at the same time, like, all right, we can use evolution to explain certain things with our perspective, but also your belief in the world changes how you react to the world which creates your reality so i think you have to combine both of knowing that your perception of reality is important in and of itself but unless you combine that with 
the hard with facts. actual reality. Uh, yeah, you have to <laughs> you have to combine the two in a way that you can then converse with someone about. You, you have your guidelines of reality that are kind of almost unarguable, and then you have the 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 other layer on top of it, which is your own personal layer, and that personal layer shifts from every person. You need to have that fundamental basic outline. And I think if we can all, I don't know, have this same fundamental basic outline that is our first layer of information, then our own layer of information can all overlap on top of it. And it can be slightly different. Yeah. We can hopefully agree to these fundamental truths. And see, this is what needs to be taught to kids in school instead of fucking math. Like, you can you can learn all of math. I would guarantee you, as someone that's, like, 18 and freshly out of life school of, like, figuring out how to be a person, if you're someone that cares about math that deeply, you could learn all of it in a year if you wanted to or yeah. close to it. It's not something that needs to be taught from the age of six up to the age of 18 diligently on an eight to eight hour day basis, five days a week, most of the year. Like that, that's not how people learn anything. Nobody learns like that. Yeah. Anson and I have talked about it. And if you, if we could replace regular school with just actually teaching people how to be humans, life, which, <laughs> yeah, which coincidentally, I actually watched this Ted talk earlier uh, last week, I think. And he, uh, the guy was talking about the, um, something we hinted on, or I hinted on earlier about the core correlation of people's lack of, um, actual like fulfilling life, uh, I guess activities and whatever it may be compared to sitting in a room and doing nothing. Um, and, and the happiness you get out of that. But what he was studying was like hunter gatherer societies. So essentially the most primitive people and the most like unevolved, if you want to say it that way, people that to where they still have a majority of those basal instincts that mammals have compared to what you can consider like a modern technological human would have, or like you or I, um, and all those people, they don't are in the hunter gatherer societies. They don't, they don't spend any time indoors learning from anyone it's just they're just taking things in and actually like figuring out how to be a human and all of those people are far more fulfilled in life than even the richest billionaire like anyone who someone who has it all is not as happy as as a hunter-gatherer that is just completely fulfilled with their actual surroundings yeah and somehow we've decided that the pursuit of money and power is more important than the quote-unquote pursuit of happiness I mean, some people have, and yeah. they've decided that that belief is going to shape the rest of reality, which is why I'm fed up with reality. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you just quit your job, man? I would, but I have a cat <laughs> to provide for. <laughs> I got mouths to feed. It's damn animals. Nice. All right. Well, that, uh, that about sums us up there. Running uh, a Fuck bit yeah. over on time. So... Connor, thank you for the uh, intense chat about politics and life and artificial intelligence. And how humans suck but are also sometimes cool. I know, right? We got to – you just got to find the right cool people. Yeah. I, I don't think that I'm a human though. Really? I'm a cat. You're a cat living in a human's body. Yeah. So do you like actually identify as a cat? Should no. I call you Mr. Yeah, Feline? Yeah, actually Hello, I do. Hello, Mr. No, Feline. No, no, no. I identify as a toaster. <laughs> But I'm a cat inside the toaster. Ah, oh, toaster cat? Yep. 
Uh, all right. One of my buddies is a cat burrito. Nice. So, yeah. We'd get along then. Gonna... I'm basically a cat burrito, too, if you consider the toaster the outer burrito yeah. and the cat as, the, like, the filling. Interesting. PETA so... would not be happy with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't be happy with this conversation, but fuck it. Yeah, fuck you people that aren't nice. happy. All right. Well, any last words you want to give to the people? Anything you want to let them know, your website or whatnot? Um, I have a bunch of shows coming up. One on 413, um, one on 420, Blaze It, <laughs> and then one some other time. Um, all of that will be on my website, which is IamFaraday.com, and then just listen to my music at some point if you want to nice what's the 413 show um that would be a show with uh myself loche and heroes for gold opening for half of flostradamus called yeah me too or yeah yeah me too bruh (laughs) nice um i'll be i'll be playing just some like mid-tempo-y stuff and getting the night started off and then probably going to bed early. Nice. Yeah, I've got a show on April 12th, that Kristoff show. I'm Fuck excited it, for bro. that. Yeah, didn't you had a show right after Lane 8, right? You didn't even get to see all of Lane 8? Uh, well, weekend? I saw Latrell and then um, I didn't see any of Lane 8, no. But Bummer. I have no, no qualms with that because um, I've seen Lane 8 plenty of times. And yeah. personally, and you were there for it as well, the Paradiso set... With so the sunset good. and the Christian Jackson lights, <laughs> and just shout the whole, out to Christian Jackson. The whole environment of that set is I don't think could ever be topped by like another Lane Eight set. So I'm just like completely content with. I have that. to agree. I liked the Paradiso set better than his uh, two hour fifteen minute set at Showbox. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just one of those things where he like came to showcase himself, and if I yeah. was at the Lane Eight set of that show, I would have been more impressed with like a really dope. DJ set and playing almost none of his own music, which also I would have been more impressed if Latrell had done the same, which he did not do. Yeah. And it was still like dope, but not not cool enough to where I was like actually super, super hyped on it and like trying to tell people about how cool it was. I agree with that. I think a lot of people were really excited to see Lane 8, to hear the Lane 8 tracks that they've been listening to. But I definitely felt that way. I was like, oh, like... The la- like, I hate saying this, but like the last couple of times I saw him were better. Like I felt like he he tried to curate his personal style of delicious music versus just I'm gonna play all of my own originals in order. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was still a good show to see. Still his, enjoyed it a lot. His Paradiso set had a, a bunch of originals, but it, then it. I mean, because obviously it was only an hour instead of two hours. Yeah. I think it just ends up being in that hour a better way to break down like here is my certain amount of songs that i made and then here's like the other half the set is other people's songs and it's easy to split it up that way but if i was to play a two-hour set like that where it's my own show i would definitely for the first hour probably just fuck around and then like once people are into it then you start peppering in especially with lane eight with all his vocals and stuff in his music then that's when you can like start hooking people in because you need those to get them to not leave basically i feel like that's what he did two years ago when he was at numos and this year was a lot of like playing a lot of his new material which was good it was good to hear his new material in a live setting but yeah overall i feel like i didn't get um the other side of him I got his producer side, but yeah, I didn't yeah. get much of his DJ side. Yeah, I feel that. And that's 
basically the feedback that I heard from actually other people that saw him on other tour stops in different cities too, is that um, I guess depended upon the set that Latrell played, people were actually liking his set more because in certain stops he was willing to kind of just go outside the box. But I think in Seattle, just because of the crowd that's up here, he definitely played a lot of his originals. Like he actually, I think played every single original except for one, which is actually my favorite loyal original by him that I can't remember the name of right now. But my favorite original by him is the one. I don't think that he didn't play it. Maybe that is the the one. Oh, so there's a Clanger Russell remix of the one, which is like this super heavy remix, and it's like one of my favorite tracks of all time. Yeah, he didn't play it. Is that the? Uh, I think it might be. I think it might be the one. <laughs> the one. The one that's nice. the one. Well, on that one, we'll end it. Thank you, Connor. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, have a Fair great hands. one, everybody. Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space. And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide.